voice of the tunnels. The unreliable light of the lantern in the hands of the commander wandered like a pale yellow stain on the tunnel walls, licking the damp floor and disappearing completely when the lantern was pointed into the distance. There was deep darkness ahead, which was greedily devouring the weak beams of their pocket flashlights from just ten paces away. The wheels of the cart squeaked with a whining and melancholic sound, gliding into nowhere, and the breathing of the rhythmic footfalls of the booted people walking ahead it punctuated the silence. The southern corridors were behind them now. The flickering light of their fires had died away long ago. They were beyond the territory of VDNKH, and even though the journey from VDNKH to Ruskaya was considered safe, given the good relations between the stations and the fact that there was a sufficient amount of movement between the two, the caravan needed to stay on alert. Danger was not something that just came from the north or the south, the two directions of the tunnel. It could hide above them, in the air shafts, or at the sides of the multiple tunnel branches behind the sealed doors of former utility rooms or secret exits. There were dangers waiting below, too, in mysterious manholes left behind by the metro builders, forgotten and neglected by maintenance crews. But when the metro was still just a means of transportation, were terrible things now lurking in their depths, things which could squeeze the mind of the most reckless and daredevils in a vice of irrational horror. That was why the commander's lantern was wandering along the walls, and the fingers of the people at the back of the caravan stroked the safety locks of their machine guns, ready to fix them into firing mode at any moment, and to lunge at their triggers. That's why they said little as they walked, chatting weakened and interfered with the capacity uh, to hear in the breathing space of the tunnel. Artyom was starting to get tired already. He labored and labored with the handle descending and then returning to its former place, gnashed monoton monotonously, turning the wheels again and again. He was looking ahead without success but his head was spinning to the beat of the wheels, heavily and hysterically, just like the phrases he heard from Hunter before he left. His words about the power of darkness, the most widespread form of government in the territory of the Moscow metro system. He tried to think about how he was going to get to Popolis. He tried to make a plan, but slowly a burning pain and fatigue was spreading in his muscles, rising from his bent legs through the 
small of his back into his arms and pushing any complicated thoughts right out of his head. Hot, salty sweat dripped onto his forehead. At first, slowly, in tiny droplets, and then the drops had grown and become heavier, flowing down his face, getting into his eyes, and there was no chance of wiping them away because Xenia was on the other side of the mechanism, and if Artyom released the handle, then it would land all the effort of, then it would land all the effort on Xenia. Blood was pounding louder and louder in his ears, and Artyom remembered that when he was little, he liked to adopt an uncomfortable pose in order to hear the blood pounding on his ears because the sound reminded him of the steps of soldiers on parade. And if he could closed his eyes, he could imagine he was a marshal leading the parade and faithful divisions were passing him, measuring their paces and saluting him. That's how it was described in books about the army. Finally, the commander said, without turning around, Okay, guys, come down and change places. We've reached halfway. Artyom exchanged glances with Xenia, and he jumped off the cart, and they both, without speaking, sat on the rails, even though they were supposed to be going to the rear of the cart. The commander looked at them attentively and said sympathetically, Milksops. Milksops, Xenia admitted readily. Get up, get up. There'll be no city. It's time to go. I'll tell you a good little story. We can also tell you a few stories, Zinya confidently declared, not wanting to get up. Yes, I know all your stories. About the Dark Ones, about the mutants, about your little mushrooms, of course. But there's a few tales you've never heard. Yes, indeed, and they might not even be tales. It's just that no one is able to confirm them. That is, there are people who have tried to confirm the stories, but they couldn't tell us for sure. For Artyom, this short speech had been enough to give him his second wind. Now any information about what happened beyond the Prospect Mer station had great meaning for him. He hurried to get up from the rails and transferring his machine gun from his back to his chest, he took up his place behind the cart. With a little shove, the wheels started singing their plaintive song again. The group moved forward. The commander was looking ahead, peering watchfully into the darkness because not everything was audible. I'm interested. What does your generation know about the Metro anyway? The commander was saying. You tell each other such tales. Someone went somewhere. Someone made it all up. One tells the wrong thing to the next one who whispers it to a third, who in turn 
stretches the story over a cup of tea with a fourth person who pretends that it was his own adventure. That's the main problem with the Metro. There aren't any reliable communication lines. It isn't possible to get from one end to the other quickly. You can't get enough in some places. It's partitioned in others where some crap is going on and the conditions change every day. Do you think that this metro system is all that big? Well, you can get from one end to the other in an hour by train. And it takes people weeks to do that now. And that's if they make it. And you never know what is waiting for you at every turn. So, we've set off for Rizskaya with humanitarian aid. But the people... No, but the problem is that no one, me and the duty officer indeed, no one is prepared to guarantee that when we get there, we won't be met with heavy fire or that we won't find a burnt-out station without a living soul in it, or that it won't suddenly become clear that Rizskaya has joined forces with the Hansa, and therefore there's no passage to the rest of the metro left to us anymore, even again, or ever again. There's no exact information. We received some data yesterday. Everything is out of date by evening, and you can't rely on it the next day. It's just like going through quicksand using a hundred-year-old map. It takes so long for messengers to get through with the messages they carry that it often happens that the information's not needed anymore or it's already unreliable. The truth is distorted. People have never lived under these conditions. And it's scary to think of what will happen when there isn't any fuel for the generators and there isn't electricity anymore. Have you read Wells, The Time Machine? Well, there they had these Morlocks. This was already the second such conversation in the last two days, and Artyom already knew about the Morlocks and about Herbert Wells. He didn't want to hear about it. So disregarding Xenia's protest, he resolutely turned the conversation back to its original direction. So what does your generation know about the Metro? Mm. Talking about the devilry in the tunnels is bad luck. And about Metro 2 and the invisible observers, I won't talk about that either, but I can tell you something interesting about who lives where. So, do you know, for example, that at the place that used to be Pushkinskaya Station, where, where there's another two pedestrian passages to Chekhovskaya and Tverskaya, that the fascists have now taken that. 
What? What fascist? Xenia asked, puzzled. Real fascist? A while ago, when we still live there, the commander, the commander pointed upwards. There were fascists. There were also skinheads who called themselves the RNE, and others who were against immigration. And there were all kinds of different types, since that was the trend of those days. Only a fool knows what these acronyms mean. Now, no one remembers, and they themselves probably don't even remember. And then, it seemed they disappeared. You heard and saw nothing of them, and suddenly, a little while ago, they came up again. The metro is for Russians. Have you heard of that? Or, they say, do a good deed clean up the metro. And they threw all the non-Russians out of Pushkinskaya and then from Chekhovskaya and Tverskaya. In the end, they became rabid and started punishing people. They have a Reich there now. The fourth or the fifth, something like that. They haven't crawled any further yet, but our generations still remembers the 20th century and what fascists. The mutants from the Filskaya line basically exist in actual fact, and our dark ones, what are they worth? And they are various sectarians, Satanists, Communism, Communists. It's a chamber of curiosities, that's what it is. They went past the broken down door to an abandoned administration room. Maybe it was a laboratory, or maybe before it was a refuge full of furniture, iron bunk beds, and crude plumbing. It was all stolen long ago, and nowadays no one tried to get into those dark empty rooms scattered along the length of the tunnels. There's nothing there, but truth is, you never know. There was a weak, blinking light ahead. There were approaching Alexevskaya. The station was minimally populated, and the patrol consisted of one person at the fifth meter. They couldn't allow themselves to go any further. The commander gave the order to stop at 40 meters from the fire and had been no, from the fire that had been lit by the patrol at Alexevskaya. And he turned his flashlight on and off several times in a precise sequence, giving the patrol a signal. A black figure was delineated by the light of the flames. A scout was coming towards them from far off. The scout yelled, Halt! Don't approach! Artyom asked himself, could it be possible that one day they wouldn't recognize, they wouldn't be recognized at a station with whom they considered themselves to have friendly relations and they would be met with hostility?
the person was approaching them slowly. He said he was dressed in torn camouflage trousers and a quilted jacket which displayed the letter A in bold, apparently from the first letter in the station's name. His hollow cheeks were unshaven and his eyes gleamed suspiciously and his hands were nervously stroking the body of an automatic machine gun that was hanging from his neck. He looked, he looked them right in the face and smiled. He recognized them and with a little wave showing his trust he pushed the machine gun onto his back. Great guys, how are you doing? It is, no, is it you guys heading to, no, is it you guys heading to Ruskaya? We know, we know, they warned us, let's go. The commander started to ask the patrolman something, but it was inaudible, and Artyom, hoping that he also wouldn't be heard, said quietly to Zenya, He looks overworked and underfed. I don't think they want to join forces with us because they're having the good life. Well, so what, his friend responded. We also have our interests in the matter. If our administration is pursuing it, then it means there's something they want from it. It's not out of charity that we are coming to feed them. They went past the campfire at the fifth meter where a second patrolman was sitting, dressed just like the one who had met them, and their cart rolled towards the station. Alexivskaya was badly lit lighted, and the people that lived there looked sad and seemed to speak little. At VDNKH, they looked on guests with friendliness. The group stopped in the middle of the platform, and the commander announced a smoking break. Artyom and Zenya stayed on the cart to protect it, and the others were called to the fireside. I've never heard about the fascists in the right, Artyom said. I've heard that there were fascists somewhere in the underground, Zenya answered, but they only said that they were at Navkuznetskaya. Who told you? Lakov did. Lakov did. Zinya admitted reluctantly. He told you a lot of other interesting things, Artyom reminded him. But there really are fascists there. The guy just got the wrong place. He was lying, okay? Zinya said in defiance. Artyom became silent and sank into thought. The smoking break at Alexivskaya was supposed, supposed to last no less than a half hour. The commander was having some kind of conversation with the local leader, probably about the future cooperation. Afterwards, they were supposed to push on forward so that they would make it to Rizkaya by day's end. 
they would spend the night there, decide what needed decided, and look at the newly discovered cable, and then they would send a messenger back to ask for their next instructions. If the cable could be used for communication between three stations, then it made sense to unwind it and to open up a telephone connection. But if it looks unusable, then it would be necessary to return to the station at once. So Artyom had a dispensation for no more than two days. During this time, it would be necessary to invent a pretext under which it would be possible to get through the external cordons of Riskaya, who were even more suspicious and nitpicking than the external patrols at VDNKH. Their lack of trust was totally understandable. There, in the south, the wider metro system began, and the southern cordon of Reskaya was subjected to attacks pretty often. And though the dangers that were threatening the population of Reskaya were not as mysterious and frightening as those hanging over VDNKH, they were different in their amazing variations. The fighters that defended the southern approach to Riskaya never knew what to expect and therefore they had to be ready for everything. Two tunnels go to Riskaya to Prospect Mer. To collapse one of them for some reason didn't seem possible and the Reskies had to put blockades up in both. But this took such a toll on their forces that it became virtually important for them to at least secure the northern tunnel. They joined forces with Alexevskaya and more importantly with VDNKH and shifted the burden of defense in the northern direction onto them, which provided some peace in the tunnels between stations, so that they could focus on their domestic goals. And at VDNKH, they saw this as an opportunity to widen their sphere of influence. In light of the imminent union, the outposts of Rizkaya were showing increased vigilance. It was necessary to prove to their future allies that they could be counted on to defend the southern borders. That's why it seemed a particular difficult task to get through the cordons in either directions, and Artyom had a maximum of two days to figure it out. However, Despite the complexities, it didn't seem impossible. The question lay in what he would do after that. Even if he got through the southern outpost, it would be necessary still to find a sufficiently safe route to Polis. Since he had had to make an urgent decision, 
He hadn't had time in VDNKH to think about his next moves to make it to Polis. At home, he could have asked traders he knew about the dangers out there without raising suspicion. But he knew that he would raise suspicion immediately if he asked Zenya or anyone else in the group about the way to Polis. And Zenya would definitely know that Artyom was up to something. He didn't have friends at Alexevskaya or at Rizskaya, and he couldn't trust mere acquaintances with these questions either. Having taken advantage of the fact that Xenia walked off to chat with a girl who was sitting nearby on the platform, Artyom furtively got a tiny map of the metro out of his rucksack. It was printed on the back of a card with, with charred edges and was advertising a market fair that had been and gone long ago, and he circled Polis a few times with a pencil. The way to Polis looked easy and short. In the ancient mythical times that the commander had been describing when people didn't have to carry weapons and they went from station to station, even if they had to change trains and take another line, in the times when the journey from one end of the opposite end, no, to the opposite end didn't take more than an hour, in the times when the tunnels were only populated by rattling and rushing trains. Back then, the distance between VDNKH and Polis would have been quick and clear. It was directly along the line to Turgenevskaya, and from there, a pedestrian tunnel to Chesty Prudy as it was called on the old map, which Artyom was examining. Or take the Karavskaya line and the red line, the Sokolinchevskaya line, straight to Polis. The era of trains and fluorescent light, such a trip would take about 30 minutes but ever since the words red line had been written in capital letters and the red calico banner had hung over the pedestrian tunnel to Chesty Prudy, there was no point 